Thanks, so. Well, let's go ahead. We'll open up in a word of prayer, and we'll start off with the song. Dear Lord, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for the privilege and honor to come together, Lord. May you bless this service today as we worship you in song, and as we learn more about you and what you would have for us in your word. Lord, we thank you for this fellowship in this church, Lord. We thank you for all the wonderful uh, brothers and sisters in this church, Lord, working your work. This one thing we do is uh, work for you, Lord, giving you all the glory. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Good morning, church family. So good to see everybody. Let's stand together and worship our Lord this morning. Thank you. 
seated. Aren't you glad salvation's free? You know, there's a saying in my family, it, if it's free, it's for Jay Lee. And uh, so, I don't know, maybe that's why salvation was so... What's that? Well, yeah, if it's free, it's for Jeremy Lee, but yeah. Anyways, no, I'm so thankful that uh, God has provided that one and done sacrifice so that we can come to the cross, come to salvation without any work. And what a wonderful, wonderful gift that is. And I just, I just scratch my head, all these false uh, gospel, all these false heresies where, I mean, churches or people flock to work, works-based churches. I don't understand that. It's so much easier. Anyways, everybody get a uh, bulletin. I'm sure everybody got one there. Uh, so next Sunday, we're going to have our potluck Sunday. Uh, so bring your favorite dish. And uh, March 7th and 8th, so I just uh, got a phone call from uh, Charles Lutz. He's, the, uh, he's a professor, a teacher down at Indian Bible College. He's from Polson here. Uh, anyways, uh, and we support him uh, monthly. Uh, but Indian Bible College is, gonna, is making a Northwestern Regional Tour on a fundraising uh, and recruitment tour. And so they will be coming through Polson here March 7th and 8th. And so we're looking for people to, uh, we got, there's going to be 10 uh, folks, students, staff. We're going to be looking for housing. Uh, so if you have uh, extra room in your house, please let me know. Uh, they're having a recruiting and fundraising event here. It's going to be uh, like a dinner banquet and then a morning breakfast. And uh, we're pretty sure it's going to be held up at Pablo Baptist Church. So more, more information on that. Couple things I wanted to uh, uh, actually. Any other announcements? I know we had a birthday. Pruitt, <laughs> did we get his card? Do we do we eat his card? Yeah, yeah. Okay, very good. I want to thank all of you ever so much for the card, and I have milked the stage. <laughs> 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 oh well, let's sing Happy Birthday to Pruitt. Actually, is there any other birthdays? Better, I will find out. Yes. Oh, Christine Cullen had a birthday yesterday. Is she working today, Mike? Okay, all right. So let's sing Happy Birthday to Pruitt and Christine. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Pruitt and Christine. Happy birthday to you. Very good. All right. Hey, I got. I just got a thank you card from uh, the Molers. They're missionaries to Scotland. They're another missionary uh, church plant that uh, this church supports. I just want. They sent a thank you letter. It says we hope you had a wonderful Christmas. We are humbled and blessed that you decided to partner with us to uh, bring the gospel to Scotland. We love being able to connect with churches in our home state of Montana. Praying God continues to bless your ministry in Polson, in Christ, Rich, and Krista Moeller. So it also, um, we'll do uh, praises and prayer requests. And so uh, go ahead, uh, there's a couple of praises that I want to share with you. Um, so Michelle, you were in uh, Safeway yesterday and talked to Dr. Rivers. He's the uh, mental health specialist at the jail. And, and I knew Michelle was talking to somebody in there because she, she was going to run in just for a few items. It was like half an hour. Anyways. So I was like, oh. I ran into a lot of people. Yeah. And anyway, so she ran into Dr. Rivers. And uh, can you just share, share what Dr. Rivers said about so, the jail ministry? Uh, yeah. So for those of you that don't know, Dr. Rivers is the person that most like 
first responder, particularly as law enforcement, goes to for their mental health evaluation But he's also involved with the mental health evaluations at the detention center here. And so we were just having Dr. River for me. Asked him how things were going, and he said they were going really great. But he did tell me that he is. Um, he knows that as a ministry there and recognizes the work that is being done in the church ministry. So just continue to pray for that if you will please. And for him too, he told me that it's starting to ramp up the amount of need that's going on within that facility that it's just calling him to be there. Well, so we'll continue to pray for the jail, but the Lord's doing a mighty work down there, and 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 other folks are, are you know are seeing that. And so, thank you, Church, uh, for that for that commitment there. Also, uh, got a thank you card from the the uh, nursing home ministry, the the uh, down there in Ronan. The uh, um, activities ladies retiring, and she she uh, sent the church a nice card. Jenna, thank you for your for your dedication for services down at the Ronan. And I also want to say thank you, Mike, for for uh, taking over down there. That's that's a huge uh, that's a huge help, and it's appreciated by by me and the church, but also by all the folks that you're ministering to down there. So, thank you. Uh, and prayer requests, uh, Mark and Maggie Pallant. Uh, Maggie had eye, had eye surgeries, so just pray for healing. Uh, other praises and prayer requests. Uh, yes, actually, and I forgot to share that. So she's she is healing. There's no diseases or viruses that um, uh, she caught, but she's continue continuing to heal. And I think they went to their hometown there in in Zambia, where she, uh, she was going to continue the vaccine regime for rabies. Right. We'll pray for her for continued healing. Other praises, prayer requests. All right, let's go ahead and pray. Dear Lord, we come to you in thanksgiving, Lord. We, we thank you for all the wonderful opportunities that you give us uh, individually uh, to share the gospel with people, but also at uh, this church, Lord. We thank you for the ability to support missionaries. We thank you uh, for the ability to have a ministry in the jail and also the nursing homes, Lord. We give you all the glory, Lord. It is only because of you we're uh, given the opportunity to do that. And so, so, Lord, we thank you for that. I just thank you for all the people in this church, Lord. Lord, we come to you in prayer. We pray for healing. We pray for continued healing for Maria Rauch, Lord, uh, that she wouldn't have the rabies or any other viruses, Lord. Uh, and also for Mark and Maggie, Maggie Plant. Uh, Maggie's in Germany getting her eye surgery done, or done healing from that. And just pray that that healing would go well. And just be with uh, Mark as he uh, awaits their, their arrival back home. And Lord, just uh, be with all the missionaries uh, that, we, that we know of, Lord. We also pray for uh, this church, Lord. Lord, we, uh, we, we need your help every day. And so, Lord, continue to use our, our church body and our community, Lord. Lord, we pray for the country store. Lord, you're looking for a building uh, that's a wonderful ministry, Lord, and I'd ask that you would uh, provide a building in the downtown area uh, so that a ministry can be uh, continued for uh, the uh, folks who need gently used items here in Polson. Lord, we just love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right.
So as we get started with worship this morning, I just wanted to spend a few minutes talking about uh, God, how God reveals Himself to us, and He does that in many ways. Um, he reveals Himself in His creation. All we got to do is look around for it. It's pretty easy nowadays to get mired down in uh, this upside-down world. It, I mean, it only takes turn the news on for two minutes or look at your social feed or whatever it is to to be focused on the wrong thing. And uh, it's easy to get tangled up in that. But we have a choice. And that choice is we can choose to look for the good and the greatness of our God and what He created and what's around us and search for His revealing in His Word. That's the that's the that's what can pull us out of that. I'm sure generations and generations past before us all felt the same way with terrible things going on, but those that could focus on, on Christ had hope. So let's stand together this morning. I want to read out of uh, uh, Psalms 19. If you join me, I'll read verse 1. You guys read verse 2, and so on. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament sheweth His handiwork. Day unto day uttereth speech, and night unto night showeth knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Their line is gone out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In them hath He set a tabernacle for the which is a bridegroom coming out of his chamber, and rejoiceth as a strong man to run a race. His going forth is from the end of the heaven, and his circuit unto the ends of it, and there is nothing hid from the heat thereof. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgment of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much by gold, sweeter also than honey and the Moreover, by them is thy servant warned, and in keeping of them there is great reward. Who can understand his errors? Cleanse thou me from secret faults. Keep back thy servant also from pre presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then shall I be upright, and I shall be innocent from the great transgression. Let, Let the, the words of the mouth and thy meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. Heavenly Father, there are just so, so many reasons to worship You. We couldn't even begin to name them all. You are so great, and the things that You have done are just... We, we just thank You for that, Lord. We thank You for sending Your Son to earth to forgive us of our sins. We thank You for Your Word to guide us. We thank You for Your Holy Spirit to guide us and show us the way. Lord, we just want to worship you this morning and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.
Please. 
in desperation I turned to heaven and spoke your name into the night then through the darkness your loving kindness tore through the shadows of my soul the work is
All right, we'll have the kids come up, and we'll dismiss for Sunday school. preaching today. Let's go ahead and uh, pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for our Sunday school teachers, Lord. Lord, we just thank you for Brother Dean stepping up to uh, go ahead and uh, continue teaching the Sunday school, Lord. And we thank you for the children, Lord. Uh, Just ask that you would be with them. Be with us, Lord, as we get into your word uh, here in adult Sunday school, learning about you, opening up our heart, letting the word teach us, not trying to Uh, squeeze in our preconceived ideas into your word. Lord, we love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Speaking of which, there's a calendar back there if you're interested in uh, teaching Sunday school. uh, Go ahead, ahead, guys. You go with uh, Dean. Um, If you're interested in teaching Sunday school, there's a sign-up sheet back there. Miss Carly, she's our Sunday school teacher um, leader. So thank you for doing that, Carly. appreciate it. All right. Well, uh, we are in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. And uh, we left off at verse 16 last week. We're going to pick up there again. So turn your Bibles, please, 1 Corinthians 9. We're going to push through to verse 27, try to anyways. We'll see where we get. And I'll go ahead and read that whole passage, and then we will get into it. For thou I preach the gospel, for though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of, for necessities laid upon me. Yea, woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. For if I do this thing willingly, I have a reward. But if against my will a dispensation of the a, disp- a dispensation of the gospel is committed unto me. What is my reward then? Verily that which I preach when I preach the gospel, I nay make the gospel of Christ without charge. I may, sorry, there's a tear in my Bible here, and I had to tape it together. Uh, Make the gospel of Christ without charge, that I abuse not my power in the gospel. For though I, I be free from all men, yet have I made myself servant unto all, that I might gain the more. And unto the Jews I became as a Jew, that I might gain the Jews. To them that are under the law, as under the law, that I might gain them that are under the law. To them that are without law, as without law, being not without the law to God, but under the law to Christ. That I might gain them that are without law. To the weak became I weak, that I might gain the weak. I am made all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. And this I do for the gospel's sake, that I might be a partaker thereof with you. Know ye not that they which run in a race uh, run all, but one receiveth the prize? So run that ye may obtain. And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. I therefore so run, not as uncertainty, so fight, not as one... Uh, that beateth the air, but I keep my uh, under my body and bring it unto subjection, lest that by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. Isn't that interesting? Can, um, can somebody grab me a bottle of water, please? Isn't it interesting? And we'll talk about this later. The the author of Romans and Galatians, a justification by faith alone, is worried about being a castaway. What are we talking about here? 
We're talking about work in the Lord after salvation. We're talking about rewards in heaven. Uh, so 1 Corinthians 9, just by way of review of the past few Sundays, thank you, Keller, uh, we have been learning about our liberty in Christ and how we are to exercise it. This concept is that our freedom in Christ is bound by our love of one another and love of God. This concept was explained in chapter 8. The concept was then illustrated last Sunday concerning Paul's right to financial support that he chose not, uh, um, not to exercise. And I awkwardly went through six reasons why the pastor should be paid. Again, not talking about me, but it's something that the, the pastor has a right to. But Paul wanted to give that. He wanted to exercise his right to not receive it. Next Sunday, we're going to learn another um, illustration uh, from, the, uh, uh, from the Old Testament of this concept. And then after that, this concept of Christian liberty is applied in chapter 10, verses 13, through chapter 11. So we're in this block of Christian liberty. But today we will learn about why of all these, why these things matter to God and why they should matter to us. As Christians, we should be self-disciplined and self-controlled in our freedom in Christ. Our, our main objective in our pursuit of Christ, in our sanctification, is not exercising our rights. It is loving one another. And we do this because we want others to, uh, to come and know Jesus Christ, to know the same freedom that we have. We are talking about here today evangelism and also pre-evangelism. What is evangelism? It's the action of witnessing to others the gospel message or good, uh, good news about Jesus Christ and what he has done for us. Jesus came so that, they, or so that we may live. Jesus provides freedom from condemnation and the penalty of sin. Jesus wants everyone to know this truth so they can be part of God's holy kingdom. And it's our job to tell others there is no plan B. There are no angels as plan, uh, plan B. We are it. To, that's the, the Great Commission. It's our job. That's what we're called to do. But what is pre-evangelism? It's where the believer develops a genuine friend, friendship with an unbeliever. And you keep those doors open by acts of kindness and living the Christian life with the lost person so that the truth of the gospel can be seen even before it is shared. Pre-evangelism is creating an open door of trust and love for the future sharing of the gospel. Pre-evangelism is purposed relational engagement with people in our sphere of influence with the purpose of winning them for Christ. Of course, yes, you want a real relationship with them, but why? Because you want to see them saved. You want them to know Jesus. It's really awkward when you're, um, I, I've heard stories like uh, uh, people, you know, believers will go into, the, uh, into Walmart and just want, wander the, the halls of Walmart and say, hey, you need Jesus or, you're, or else you're going to hell. That's weird, folks. It's weird, okay? Um, I'm not saying you need to go do that. What I'm saying is, hey, how can I help you? Do you, um, do you need help with that, with, with that whatever you're buying? Start a, start a, start a uh, relationship, start a conversation, and then Jesus, it always comes back to Jesus. 
and you build that relationship, and then you can share the gospel you know, with them, and it won't be so weird, and it won't be, be so demanding. You've got to live it out, folks. You've got to live it. I always say, uh, for, uh, for, for pre-evangelism, tell people about Jesus, and when you need to, pull out your Bible and, and uh, quote a scripture. Let them see it in your life. Amen, brother. Amen. <laughs> so by way of review, the scripture affirms, Galatians 5.13, For brethren, ye have been called in, unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. We are free from the penalty of sin. We don't have to worry about working for our salvation anymore. That's where the joy is, folks. That's where the joy in, in serving the Lord is. You ain't got to worry about your salvation anymore. It's done. We are to consider one another's triggers and weaknesses and not exercise our freedom in Christ, being focused on the fulfillment of the law of Christ with everybody and the lost so they can know Him, being focused on the salvation of all with whom we come in contact. Galatians 6.2 says, Bear ye one another's burdens and so fill, fulfill the law of Christ. When you lovingly set aside your Christian liberty for a brother or sister who is struggling, struggling with something, you are observing the law of Christ. It's that, that love. What, what kind of love are we talking about here? Again, it's always the, the, the agapeo, that's Greek, that's the word for love. It's that self-sacrificing love. It's like, well, well my neighbor helped me stack some firewood, so I'm going to help him rake, uh, rake leaves. No, just go, just go help him stack his firewood and don't expect anything in return. Right. That's that self-sacrificing love. It's how you should be loving your spouse. It's how you should be loving you know, your neighbor. Well, I'm going to be mean, mean to them because they were mean to me. I'm going to be a jerk to them because they, they were a jerk to me. Well, I'm not going to show, show my spouse a, a special blessing today because um, he or she said something that, that made me mad yesterday. That's, that's a what have you done for, for me lately, love. And it's really not, not love at all. It's self-sacrificing love. Galatians 5.1 Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. That yoke of bondage was the Old Testament system. If you read the book of, of Galatians, the, uh, the uh, Judaizers are uh, trying to force the old Jewish ways b uh, back on the, the uh, Christian believer. And Paul says, don't get stuck in that work, works-based salvation again. It does nothing for you. We have learned that Jesus provided a one-and-done for all-time blood sacrifice by the shedding of his blood. The ideal God's man blood, we, we've used that term here a couple Sundays, this provided a 100% removal of our sins and our eternal salvation upon belief in Jesus Christ. Last week we read 2 Corinthians 5.21. It's a, such a great gospel verse. For he hath made him, being Jesus, to be sin for us, us being you and me, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. That's what Jesus did for us. <coughs> That's the gospel message, folks. That is the gospel. I hope every here, everybody here understands what the gospel message is. It's just that simple thing, that sacrificial love that Jesus performed for us on the cross. Grace from God that supplies the 100% indwelling filling of the Holy Spirit 
to enable us to live the law of Christ, the law of love. Our goal is perfection, brothers and sisters. Our goal is perfection. It's impossible to to attain that, but yet, that is our goal. When we're glorified, then yes, we are able to not sin. (coughs) Simply stated, our freedom in Christ is guided and measured by, number one, our love for God. Number two, our love for our brothers and sisters. And most importantly, and the subject of today's message, our love to see lost people saved. If you don't have a love to see lost people saved, then you are in the wrong church, folks. We should all want to see. That should be our primary goal. That's, that's what brings the most joy to God. In Luke 15, you, that's all the angels are all rejoicing. It brings God the most joy when his soul is saved. There is much rejoicing. So we left off last Sunday at verse 16. Let's review this verse as we start our study this morning. Verse 16, For though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of. For necessity is laid upon me. Yea, woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. So here Paul is stating he can't glory in his preaching, in his teaching. It was something that he was told to do by God. He was commissioned to preach, called to evangelize the Gentiles and spread the good news of Jesus. That was his job. He was under compulsion to do it against his personal ambitions to serve God. He might have refused in the matter of Jonah, but you, you know, read the book of Jonah. That didn't work out so well for him, did it? If you refuse God's calling for you, as stated last week, nothing will ever work out for you. You will be miserable until you submit to your calling of God in your life. Woe to you if you refuse God's calling in your life. And, and as Paul acknowledges, so Paul did resist that call for a while, and he ended up in temporary blindness. I wonder, I, I, you know, when I get to heaven, I want to hear Paul's story. Certainly God was call, had a calling upon him, was stirring his heart, as he was going around the, the, um, the neighborhood killing Christians. If you read, if you read the Bible uh, of what Paul, um, he was Saul before Paul, Saul is, 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 is essentially the world's first historically recorded serial killer. That's what he was doing. He was going around to all these Christian churches killing women, children, men. He had a, a order from the council to do that. He murdered a lot of people, folks. I wonder how his his heart, how God was stirring him, what was leading him up to, instead of you know getting struck, struck blind on the Damascus Road, if there was an easier route for him. Okay, Lord, I get it. Um, I won't. Um, you don't have to hammer me on the head. But I mean, a lot of times God has to hammer us on the head, doesn't He? Yes. And so, but I'm sure that God was working in Paul's heart before that time. So Paul says, woe to me if I don't, do not preach the gospel. How could Paul possibly boast in something that was expected of him? So uh, for, for folks, um, I think most people had a, had a job or, or currently have a job in this lifetime. Do you get a big star uh, if, if you show up for, for work in the morning on time? 
Hey, good job. You're so awesome. You showed up for work. No, that's what's expected of you, right? You're, if, you're, if you're supposed to be there at 8 o'clock, you're supposed to be there at 8 o'clock. That's the normal thing. Or bring it, bring it down to a church uh, level. Or a member of uh, the church bragging about showing up for church. Hey, I, I have came every Sunday this month. Do I get a prize? No, sir, ma'am. That's what's expected of you. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you should be going to church. That's what's expected of you. And so that's what Paul's talking about. It's something that's already expected, and you can't boast about it. Verse 17, for if I do this thing willingly, I have a reward. Paul says if he were preaching it voluntarily, that he would be able to brag and, and receive a reward. But it wasn't given to him uh, to do. He was forced upon him. Continuing on, but if against my will, a dispensation, uh, that's a fancy word for an assignment of the gospel, is committed unto me. Paul was arrested on the road to Damascus against his will, and he was assigned this mission of suffering and sacrifice for, for Jesus. He didn't ask for these things, and he certainly didn't want them. And at the time, he was still going around the country, mass murdering people at churches. Paul says the Lord entrusted Paul with a stewardship, a caretaker responsibility to deliver the gospel to the Gentiles. <coughs> and if you have been saved by the blood of Jesus Christ today, you have that same stewardship. It's been entrusted to you. And you have that same caretaker responsibility to tell people about Jesus. And rest assured, we will all be held accountable for that stewardship at the judgment seat of Christ. So the Lord stepped here into Paul's life. He changed him, gave him a new mission. Have you ever had um, one of those experiences? I think we can all probably think about that, where God stepped into your life, and like, he was like, nope, I want you to go this way. Have you ever had one of those? It's usually not pleasant. And it's not fun. It's like, oh, great, we're going this way. It's, I just imagine a toddler when, when they're going this way, and, and the mother or the father's like, no, you will go this way. That's God stepping into your life experience. So when Paul preached the message of the gospel and suffered persecution, he was doing it because that's what he was told to do. Nevertheless, he still wanted something to boast about when he stood before Christ to, to receive his judgment. And that's why he said, I gift you this preaching and teaching. He didn't want to charge the Corinthian church for, for any pastor wages that, um, that he was due. That was his gift. That was his right to not exercise his right. Verse 18, what is my reward then? Verily that when I preach the gospel, I may make the gospel of Christ without charge. Paul's reward then comes from preaching at no charge. Continuing on, that I abuse not my power in the gospel. He says, set aside his Christian liberty, choosing not to make full use of the right to receive support. He did this to show love and consideration to the church. It was, it was his reward to give, and that's what he wanted to do. Paul refuses to use his God-ordained right to be paid as a pastor and calls his preference to preach without pay his boast because that's all he has to give. Paul does not want to cause a stumbling block 
when he was preaching. He did this in consideration of to gain opportunities to tell people about Jesus. That's his goal. This is called what, what Paul is doing, pre-evangelism, winning people to Christ. It's the whole point of everything in Paul's life, and it should be the whole point of everything in our life. Verses 19 through uh, um, 23, we really hammer away at this idea of pre-evangelism. Verse 19, For though I be free from all men, yet have I made myself servant unto all. And, he, and here's the purpose statement, that I might, might gain the more. Gain the more. When you ever hear that word, gain the more, in this passage, it's talking about leading people to Christ. So freedom and slavery were key ideas in, in Paul's world. And it, it's, uh, I think it's, it's important that we don't uh, compare the American experience of slavery to that of the Roman world. It was totally different. Slaves were treated very well in, in ancient times. Uh, some slaves cho um, chose to do it. You, I mean, you could be a slave to pay off a uh, debt. You could make a commitment to a family. It's like, you know what, I really love you guys, and you guys treat me um, so well. I want to be a slave to you for the rest of my life. And, they, and so um, they would be a bondservant, and they'd take their ear, and, and they'd take it all, and they'd, and they'd put the ear, and they'd hammer a hole in your ear to the, to the doorpost. And, the, and you wore an earring after that. And that was your sign that you were a chosen bond servant. You chose to be a slave. And that's, that was a high calling for, for the slaves in those world. And so that's what we need to keep in mind when we're talking about when you hear the word slave in the New Testament. But in our culture today, we can relate this concept in the divide between those with money and those without. The point to be made here, Paul's mission, remember, was not to end slavery. What was his mission? To win people for Christ, wherever they may be found. And likewise, our mission today is not to end poverty, but that we are doing, but what, what we are doing to lead people in, in poverty to Christ. And that's where the true blessings are found. That's where true riches are found. These, this idea of solving social issues, yeah, I mean, those are, those are great causes, but it's not our job as far as what we're supposed to do as a church. Our church is to tell people about Jesus. Paul is a trusted slave to Christ under orders to preach the gospel message. He carries out that duty because he sees himself as having no other choice. He believes himself to be free, but when it comes to those he serves, he, uh, to those he wants to lead to Christ, he becomes legally and spiritually a servant unto them. He has that privilege and that right, but he sets it aside. He wants to serve them. And yet now Paul... Uh, says that he has voluntarily declared himself a servant or a slave to all people because he is a slave to Christ, because he wants to gain the more. Paul's mission to reach people with the gospel of Jesus includes placing himself under the authority of everyone to gain salvation. Verse 20, And unto the Jews I became a Jew, that I might gain the Jews. To them that are under the law, and as under the law, that I might gain them that are under the law. To them that are without the law, referring to Gentiles, as without law, being not without law to God, but under the law of Christ, that I might gain. 
them that are without the law. To the weak became I, uh, I as weak, that I might gain the weak. I am made all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. That was Paul's mission. And that's our mission. When we are saved, we become new creatures in Christ. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 20. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. You're not Jew, you're not Gentile, you're not male, you're not female. You are in Christ. You are a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God, verse 18, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and hath given us to, given to us the ministry of reconciliation. That is our calling in fulfilling the Great Commission, a ministry of reconciliation. That's why the, the love is implied there. How can you reconcile anything if you have no love for people? Verse 19, to wit that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing the trespasses unto them, and hath committed us unto the word of reconciliation. Verse 20, now then we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. We are called to a ministry, a loving ministry of peace. What does that word reconciled mean? It means to make peace with those who are at odds. It means to return favor with, to come together as one again, to receive one back into favor. That's what Christ did for us, and that's what we should be doing with others so that they can know Christ, so, so they can know the ultimate reconciliation. We are in Christ, reconciled unto God. We are no longer known by our previous titles, Jew, Greek, American, just uh, uh, insert whatever country of origin, heritage, political party, job title. And yes, it's okay to continue in your culture and the traditions of your culture as long as they do not contradict God's law and the law of Christ. And it does not supersede your identity in Christ. That's what you should be known as. 1 Peter 2, 9-10 You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God. We are people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. There's some questions in here. Um, I'm just going to read them out of my uh, sermon notes here. But who do people know you as? Do they know you by your job title, or, 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 the, or the golf pro, or the... Or the, or the cyclist or whatever? Or do they know you as being in Christ? Do they know you as that person who loves Jesus, who's taken the opportunity when the timing's right and the Holy Spirit gives you the leading to talk to them about Jesus? Who are you pre-evangelizing today? Who do you have a relationship with? Who are you just being friendly to? By what means are you employing to possibly save someone. It should by any means. Who are you showing forth the good news of Jesus? 
Turn to Philippians 3, 7-13. By all means, save someone. I want to focus on that here for just a little bit. By all means, save some. By what things were gained to me, though I counted loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of knowledge of Christ, Jesus my Lord, for whom I suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ. Everything's garbage when you're giving it up for Christ. And to be found in him, not having your own righteousness, my own righteousness, which is of the law, that, uh, but, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. We were talking about that today. And the fellowship of his sufferings be made conformable unto his death. Verse 11, if by any means I may, might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. <coughs> Verse 12, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect by a follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. I attended a, or, uh, an officiated funeral Friday? Yeah, Friday. Um, and uh, the man, um, I just, I didn't know the guy, but I uh, was able to talk to family. He, and he claimed, uh, or they said he was a born-again Christian. And they shared, uh, shared with me uh, the things that he shared with his family before he passed. But, you know, with this, this one thing I do, folks, we all end up in a grave. We do. We got one life on this planet, on this earth, and then the judgment. Make the most of it. And from what um, I, could, uh, um, I could tell, this man that I officiated the funeral for, he, he made the most of his life. Why do we do this one thing that we should do? Verse 23, back to 1 Corinthians. And this I do for the gospel's sake. Paul will go to any length, descend to any level, Discrimination was unknown to Paul. Galatians 3.28 says, There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither bond nor free, there is neither male nor female, for ye are all one in Christ Jesus. Whenever I'm traveling, if I'm in the airport, if I'm uh, at a, like some kind of training or something, I'm always on the lookout. You know, my, my, uh, my brother, sister in Christ, um, radar's on. And, you know, just start, start engaging conversation. Before you know it, you got a brother in Christ right there with you, or, or a sister in Christ. And there's a connection there that you have with that brother and sister in Christ that nobody else has. Continuing on at verse 23, that I might be a partaker there with you. And so, why is Paul doing all of this? To be a co-partner in the blessings when a convert receives Christ Jesus. What's our reward for our self-discipline and self-control in consideration of our liberty in Christ? That's what's going to cover the last verses here, verses 24 through 27. Verse 24 says, Know ye not that they which run in a race... What race is Paul talking about? He's talking about your pursuit of Christ and your exercise of the law of Christ. 
So run all, but one receiveth the prize. So run that you may obtain. Paul uses a metaphor and compares living in service to Christ to athletic competition. He likely had in mind the uh, Olympic Games, the, uh, as well as, as the Ismian Games, which took place every other year in Corinth. It, it was the every other year uh, um, Olympics. It, it was like the championship, and then you go to Olympics after that the next year. The Ismian Games of Corinth were second only to the Olympic Games, which is located 10 miles of, uh, in, uh, from Corinth. Every other year, with the, uh, the athletes from all over the world would come together. So run that ye may obtain. The verb, the verb, uh, the Greek word agonizomai means I fight or I struggle, thus to agonize. There's no half-hearted effort here. You're either in or you're out. Winning is more than simply starting a race. We should apply our diligence as if in the race for the whole race. From start to finish, only our best will do for the entire race every single time. And Paul urges us to do what it takes to win. What's Paul referring to? He's referring to the, the lawful effort or dedication exhibited by the athletes in, in his metaphorical speech here. That is, that every, what every believer should duplicate in their pursuit of Christ. There is no lukewarm-ish actions. If you're reading the book of Revelation, Jesus wants to spew you out of his mouth, the lukewarmness. Every believer in Christ can obtain all of this through the 100% filling of the Holy Spirit that is in you and has been in you since your point of justification. 1 Timothy 2.5 And if a man also strives for masteries, Yet he is, uh, he, is he not crowned, except he strive lawfully. To put it another way, no one who, who is a participant in any endeavor succeeds at what he or she has started out unless he or she has followed the rules all the way to the end. If you deviate only one time, the endeavor is essentially aborted and must be started again from the beginning. We have to follow God's rules in our pursuit of Him. There are no shortcuts. There, there are no cheat codes. You just got to go do the work. Rules exist both for the competition and the training. If you break the rules, you cannot train properly, and you certainly cannot finish the, uh, the race. If you are disqualified, it is impossible for you to finish. You're done. Today's elite athletes devote their entire lives to training and competition and must prove themselves before they reach the professional level of competition. Yet all uh, athletes can be disqualified for breaking one rule and have all their titles and medals and awards um, taken away. I, I always think of baseball players who were, they, they, they got all these records and they found out they were juicing the whole time. All that gets stripped away. It's like it didn't even exist. Like the award-winning, record-breaking athlete who breaks the rules, the Christian can righteously serve Jesus his or her whole life and lose all the rewards if they decide to stop following the rules and choose to live a life of sin and shame. They don't lose their salvation. They just lose all their rewards in heaven laid up for them at that point. Are we talking about, well, if you just sin once and then you're over No, it's that attitude. You know what? 
I just don't care anymore. I'm just going to sin. I don't care about the shame. I'm just going to continue to do that. That's what we're talking about here. However, the wayward brother and sister can be forgiven and restored if they repent and thus be able to restart their race for the prize of the calling of Jesus in their lives. This is why we should be quick to forgive and motivated to restore a fallen brother or sister. We should want the best for them. Why? Out of love, brotherly love. The Christian is to follow God's truth in daily life in order to successfully be awarded in heaven. Again, this is not a matter of salvation, but of heavenly rewards. Philippians 3.14, Paul says, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Again, Paul, the author of, of uh, all, these, uh, all the doctrines of justification by, by faith alone, and we're not talking about salvation. We're talking about pressing toward the mark of the prize, that pursuit of Christ after salvation. Verse 25 of 1 Corinthians 9, And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Temperate, that means self-control, your self-discipline. An athlete wins by denying himself or herself many lawful pleasures. It is lawful for the athlete to eat a suitcase of Twinkies. Nobody's going to say, oh, that's against the law. But he's probably, um, he or she's probably not going to do very well in the race if they do that. Winning is focusing on one goal, the winning of the prize. Victory is not the result of one thing, though. It is the result of many small, lawfully obtained acts of success. I, I say this uh, to, the, um, uh, to the inmates a lot. God works in the mundane. He really does. Our lives are, you know, there's like highs and lows. Most of the time, though, in our life, it's day to day. That's where God does all of his wonderful work in the mundane, those little successes, that discipline. Victory is the result of a lifelong service for the king, Christ Jesus. Now they do to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. This imperishable crown or reward, again, is not salvation. That's already been taken care of. No amount of self-denial or effort will earn for us God's approval and place in His family. Jesus earned that for us. It is given to us as a gift. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So Paul is describing the reward of service to Christ that will be in addition to salvation is that recognition from Christ because those who have won, who, who, who have been won for, uh, through faith in Jesus. It's that, it's that soul winner's crown. What, it, what corruptible crown here is Paul talking about? He's talking about the crown of rejoicing. It is the soul winner's imperishable crown. It is the crown of rejoicing rewarded to people who reach out beyond themselves and lead people to Christ. 1 Thessalonians 2, 19-20 talks about that. For what is our hope, our joy, or crown of rejoicing? Are not even ye in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ that is coming? For ye, for our glory and joy. That is our joy. It's God's great joy. And it should be our, our greatest joy. As Christians, we have more in this life to rejoice about than anybody else. That's where true joy comes from a relationship in Jesus Christ. 
The crown of rejoicing will be our reward there. Revelation 24, when it says, God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. We should want that for everybody. Verse 26, uh, 1 Corinthians 9 here, I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so fight, so fight I. So he runs, uh, not as uh, without a purpose. He has a purpose. Not as one that beateth the air. That means worthless action, not really doing anything with your, uh, you're, you're doing something, but it, it has no purpose. But uh, verse 27, but I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, <coughs> lest that by any means when I have preached to others, I myself, myself should be a castaway. That word keep under there is, is a verb from boxing. It literally means I give myself or my body a black eye, literally to punch myself in the face to keep myself into subjection, unto self-control and self-discipline. Lest that by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself, myself should be a castaway. A castaway, being disqualified, from the, game, from the games, for the prize, to lose rewards. Again, it's not about salvation, church. It's about rewards for service to Jesus. Disqualified. Why is Paul, again, talking about this? He's worried about being disqualified. He's worried about being a castaway. He's striving for his inheritance in heaven, not his salvation in heaven. He is running the race of obedience to God after salvation. He is worried about his calling unto good works. Ephesians 2.10 For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. He before ordained. He knew you before you were going to be born. He planned. He had a purpose for you even before you were born. God knows if, if you're going to get saved or not. He does. He has plans for you. And when you make that, that decision for Christ, of the free will that's given to us, He has for you amazing purpose, amazing work. Paul is worried about finishing his race. He's worried about following the rules of his race to the end. Paul is worried about his Jesus-gifted treasures and rewards in heaven. If Paul was vigilant about it, then certainly we should be vigilant about it too. Right, church? So, uh, I want to uh, just grab your sermon insert. Let's talk about the gospel message here. How does one uh, gain salvation? Titus 3.5, and I love this verse, not by works of righteousness which have been done, but according to his mercy he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. It's by nothing that we have done. You can't even be in the race. We're talking about the, 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 the pursuit of Christ. You can't even be in the pursuit of Christ if you don't, do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ, if you are not counted as one of his children. Pastor, how do you get counted as one of his children? By, having, by accepting the gospel message here. 
that Jesus has done all the work for you. That's how you get in the race. And then a pursuit happens after that. I'm not going to read the rest of that. It's a really good uh, um, quick little commentary on that verse, but again, that's one of my one of my top ten favorite gospel message verses. And so if you're here today, you're listening to my voice, and you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, if you want to get in the race, yeah. if you want to even qualify to have to, to be entered into the race, you got to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. God has given you such a great salvation. What are you doing with that salvation? We should be doing a lot with that. God's given you all the power you need to do it in the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not us, it's the Holy Spirit. So if you have not done that today, please come find me after church. Let's get this right. If you're worried about it, I had a, I had a, I'm going to share this last week, um, I, had, I had an inmate, uh, he wasn't sure if he had lost his salvation. And I explained to him, no, nobody, nobody can take that away. If you, need, if you need to be assured of something, come find me. Let's talk about it. There should be joy in your salvation, joy in your service. We're going to go ahead and transition over to the uh, Lord's Supper. And can I have a couple uh, folks uh, pass out the elements here? Somebody want to come up? Mike, could you? Uh, Mike and Don. Thank you. Oh, yeah, thank you. Thank you. I think this message is a, a good fitting message for the Lord's Supper. Oh yeah, let's get the kiddos in here. <coughs> uh, so here at uh, Lexington Baptist Church, uh, we have what's called open communion. What does that mean? That means you have, if you have a saving relationship with Jesus Christ, that's the only qualification for, of, um, for the Lord's Supper, um, because that's, that's what it says in the Bible. And so that's why we have that here. But if you choose, if you're, uh, uh, don't want to, and that, that's okay, we're not going to judge you, it's totally between you and the Lord. As we're handing out the elements here, I just want to uh, read a couple of verses out of 1 Corinthians 11, which we're getting close to uh, in our, in our, in our uh, study here. Verse 27, 1 Corinthians 11, 27 says, Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that entereth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. And when we're done uh, handing out the elements here, we're going to have time of uh, personal prayer with the Lord. Thank you, gentlemen.
I think when we're done with the Revelation series and Bible study, um, like to spend a maybe a, a brief study on the Lord's Supper. I think it's really important that, that we know what that's all about. Let's go ahead. We're going to go to prayer, personal examination to the Lord. Verse 23, For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus the same night in which he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he brake it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you, this do in remembrance of me. And after the same manner, also he took the cup. And we had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as often as ye drink it in remembrance of me. And for as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death till he come. Amen. We're going to go and have the uh, worship team come up to our final song.
that they have the joy of the Lord, that only comes through salvation in Jesus Christ. Lord, I just uh, thank you for the opportunity to preach here, for to be the pastor here at Lake City Baptist Church. I'm thankful for all the wonderful servants, um, co, uh, co-servants that I have. Um, Lord, all the wonderful people, my family, Lord. I'm just so, so very thankful. Lord, I just love you. And I just hope that uh, and pray that you have more for us in store, Lord. I totally believe that. For this community, for this, uh, this uh, state, this nation, this world. Lord, we love you and we thank you. And let us spend every day of the rest of our lives just showing you, Lord, how much we love you and how much we are thankful for your salvation. In Jesus' name I do pray. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you.